0: peanut butter and jelly, macaroni and cheese, campfires, and sing-alongs. The folks at Deeks Insurance know that good things come in pairs. That's why when you bundle your home and auto insurance with Deeks, you save. It's just one of the ways they're looking out for you. Because at Deeks, you're treated like family. And as a licensed insurance brokerage, they've been taking care of families just like yours for over four decades. Visit deeksinsurance.ca to learn more about how
1: Deeks can help you save. Deeks Insurance, where family matters. He said, Dr. Chapman, we took that little quiz in the book, and he said, I came out that we were in a spring marriage, and my wife came out we were in a winter marriage. He said, so which is it? I said, you're in a winter marriage. (laughs) If one of you thinks it's winter, it's winter. That's Dr. Gary Chapman
0: giving some encouragement that whatever season of marriage you're in, you can grow together as a couple. And you'll hear more from him on today's Focus on the Family with your host, Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, Dr.
2: Chapman is one of our favorite guests here at the ministry, and he offers such biblically sound advice and does it in such an honest and transparent way. Uh, We all connect with him, and that's what makes it wonderful. And today, I think you're really going to benefit from this conversation and learn, I think, some practical tools you can apply in your marriage today to make it stronger. And that's why we exist here at Focus on the Family. You know what? We want your marriage to not just survive, but to thrive. And
0: we're going to give you some of those suggestions on how to invest in your marriage today. Dr. Chapman is the author of a number of best-selling books, including The Four Seasons of Marriage, Secrets to a Lasting Marriage and he and his wife carolyn live in north carolina and they've got a lasting marriage of over 50 years
2: well the proof is in the pudding isn't it gary welcome back to the ministry
0: thank you good
2: to be back with you guys hey uh, when you look at that uh, what causes marriage to be in this perpetual transition of seasons that you talk about in your book and you you, of course use the metaphor of winter and spring and summer and fall why are we like that in marriage?
1: I think because as humans, we are constantly changing. Hmm. I mean, the winds are blowing different ways, and things are happening in our lives. And and that's why I say, you know, seasons change quickly. You can go from one season to another season. But I really I found this concept of using the seasons to describe the quality of the marriage it is not, it's not the idea you get married in spring and if you live long enough you'll get to winter that's not the idea yeah, right you start in spring and end in winter yeah but it's that you know the seasons pretty much describe the quality of the marriage and if you can see where you are, which season you're in, you can decide, hey, I'd rather go back to spring or summer, you know, and that's what we're trying to do in this Well,
2: book. it's important in that analogy that you use in your book, The Four Seasons of Marriage, uh, you can be in all four seasons probably in a day.
1: Yeah, it's possible. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's possible,
2: yes. And let's get to it with that in mind. Uh, talk about, I guess, let's start where it's cold and frigid. There are some <laughs> people that like winter sports. I enjoy skiing, but that's not a good thing if you're in the winter of your marriage, what does the winter of marriage look like?
1: Yeah, the winter season is cold. It's harsh. It's bitter. We're hunkered down in the igloo. We're not talking to each other. Or if we talk, we're arguing with each other. That's a winter marriage. It's not a place where you want to spend a lot of time. Hmm.
2: When you look back, did you have a winter season in your marriage? And how'd you get out of it?
1: Yes, our winter season came pretty early in our relationship. So you started with winter. (laughs) Well, we were in spring before we got married. It was springtime when we were in love. But... Uh, it wasn't very long after the honeymoon that we began to come down and it got cold at our house. Yeah. So, yeah, we went through a uh, pretty long winter season there, actually, when I knew nothing about winter or marriage. it was just uh, I just knew this was not the way it was supposed to be, not what I had hoped it was going to be.
2: You know, for the benefit of uh, the listener, let's go through them quickly and come yeah. back. I want to okay. qualify a bit more with winter, but we, yeah. we talked a little about winter uh, talk about the other three.
1: Okay, spring, of course, is an exciting time. It's a lot of hope. It's a lot of uh, really enjoying the relationship. That's honeymoon time. That's honeymoon time. That's right. But it can come later in marriage. You can be in spring and be married 50 years. So It's an exciting time. Summer is relaxed. We've come to accept uh, a lot of the things that were irritating in the early years. We, these are the people who go to marriage conferences and read books on marriage because they know that you have to water the flowers in the summer. So they're investing. So, yeah, so they're investing. Uh, it's really, it's a good season to be in. And then the fall looks good on the outside, but the leaves are about to fall off. People would say about this marriage, aren't they a nice couple? but we know things aren't really that Uh, well with us. And if we don't do something, we will end up in winter. So the fall looks good on the outside to everyone else, but we have apprehension inside. We have questions in our minds about where this thing is going. And so, those are the four seasons and the quality of marriage that they describe.
2: And again, uh, you're going to move through these sometimes at a rapid pace, sometimes maybe you will be stuck for a long period of time, maybe even years. Okay. Uh, moving back now to winter, now that we have the definition of winter, spring, summer, and fall, uh, that couple that has felt stuck in the winter season, I mean, the igloo, the ice, yeah. the recriminations, the it's your fault, not my fault, I'm wonderful, how do they begin to thaw?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I think, and this is real. That really the heart of the book, is we give these seven strategies for improving a relationship, for spending more time in spring and summer. But I think one of the first things, if you're in a winter marriage, is that we have to deal effectively with our failures. We have to head-on recognize that we have created this winter ourselves how, how has that been done? I think often it's been done by just simply neglecting each other. We just have not spent time with each other. We've gone our own ways. We've done our own things. We've kept our distance from each other. And we haven't resolved our conflicts. And, and so we, we find ourselves in a very uncomfortable uh, relationship. What,
2: what about the couple, Dr. Chapman, that's sitting in your office for counseling? And they're both kind of in agreement. Well, you know, Dr. Chapman, life is busy. Uh, I've got this vocation, I'm an executive, I've got a lot of demands on me, I travel 200 days a year, and the wife's saying, well, yeah, I've got the young kids, they're the most important thing in my life,
1: and they're kind of rationalizing yeah. the drift. Yeah. Is that typical? It is typical, and one of the things I would seek to say to that man would be, you know, you're probably a great businessman or a salesman or whatever, and you're probably doing a great job with that, and chances are if you continue on the route you're on, you're going to make it to the top But I want to ask you a question. Do you want to be at the top alone? Hmm. Because there's a good chance if you continue to focus on your vocation the way you're focusing on it now and neglecting the relationship, you will be alone. Hmm. And most guys, it's kind of sobering to them to think, oh, yeah, okay. (laughs) And I say to that wife, you know, you're doing a great job very likely with these children. You're investing in their lives. It's a wonderful thing to be a good mother. But those children in eighteen years are going to be gone, huh. and if you don't do something to change this marital relationship here, you're going to be alone also. Yeah, your kids are going to be off in college. You're going to be home alone, and then what are you going to do? Yeah, let's do something now when you can do it. Now's the time to do something. You know, in that context, uh, you know, we tend to think
2: in what some will be critical in stereotypical ways a lot of women are working outside of the home now and they're doing both the vocational things so they could be sitting in that meeting saying yeah I'm just really busy I got all the demands of work on me then I get home and although we share some of those things I still feel kind of that uh, stereotype burden that I'm the one responsible for the home for the shopping for the kids, even yep. though my husband helps, but I'm still kind of the one. Yeah. Uh, speak to her and all the activity that's going on in her life. Yeah.
1: Well, I think that is very common today in today's world, that a wife does have a full-time job and working with the children and trying to do something maybe to keep the marriage together. And uh, what I would say is this, you know, when we get to the end of the journey, and I think of that often because I'm getting closer to the right. end of the journey, and you look back The things that really matter are relationships. Hmm. And yes, relationships with your children are extremely important, but your marriage relationship is also extremely important. The vocation seems important at the moment, and yes, it's bringing in money so that you can have some of the pleasures of life. But when you look back, ultimately, it's not the vocation you're going to remember and think and feel good about. It's going to be the relationships that you either feel good about or you deeply regret Hmm. Let's live so we don't have regrets when we get to the end of the journey. Hmm. Well, I appreciate that perspective.
0: Uh, I wonder if we can go back to you and Carolyn and what you said was a pretty early winter phase that you all went through. How would you get there and and what were some steps you took to get out of that uh, so early in your relationship?
1: Well, we got there by arguing. Because that's essentially the way we handle conflicts. I had no idea how to handle conflicts before we got married. Never read a book on conflict resolution. Didn't think we'd have any conflicts because we were in love. <laughs> we didn't have any conflicts when you're in love. And you're so much alike. <laughs> and we're so much alike. <laughs> we found out we were totally different. <laughs> right. uh, so we had a lot of conflicts, and we ended up arguing with each other. And when you argue, you put the other person down. You communicate to them that their answer is stupid or whatever, you know. And it's not a, it creates winter. And it took us a while to realize that that was not working. And I've shared with you on an earlier program that, uh, how God worked in my heart to show me that rather than demanding things of my wife and thinking that I'm the leader and she's supposed to do what I say, I got a biblical perspective on leadership. Jesus said to his disciples after he washed their feet, I'm your leader, and in my kingdom, this is the way you lead. You serve. Huh. And that was a new concept for me. I thought the leader barked out orders. When I realized that God was asking me to serve my wife, I asked him to change my heart because I didn't have the heart to do that. And when he changed my heart, then I was willing to reach out to her and begin to serve her and find out. And
0: what were a couple of the first things that she allowed you to serve her
1: in? Uh, well, when I, asked, when I asked her, you know, what I could do to help her, she had ideas, you know, and one would be to help around the house. I found out years later, of course, I knew nothing about love languages in those days, but I found out years later, her love language was acts of service. You know, I remember when I said to her probably six weeks into the marriage, I said, honey, the toilet's dirty. And she said, I know, I was wondering when you're going to clean it. <laughs> and I said, I don't know how to clean toilets. And she said, I'll teach you. <laughs> you know, she wanted me to do things to help in our little apartment, you know. And I didn't do any of those things because my mother did all that stuff. So, you know, when I asked her what I could do to help her, she began telling me. And so, really, I was loving her. I wouldn't have called it love at that juncture. I would have called it service. Uh, but I was loving her. And she was beginning to feel differently toward me. And then yeah. we, you know, when, once you get the, the love thing going, the service attitude toward each other going, then you can work through your conflicts much easier. Because you're not as nearly as demanding, you're trying more to understand each other and then reach a resolution. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue
0: in just a moment. Do you love
1: the ever-changing field of digital and content marketing? Do you have proven experience developing marketing campaigns and leading a team? Named one of the best Christian workplaces in Canada, Focus on the Family Canada is looking to fill the position of Head of Integrated Marketing in Langley, B.C., if you or someone you know feels called to use their marketing and leadership skills to serve families, explore current job openings today at focusonthefamily.ca
3: slash employment. Financial Moments with Tom Copeland. Most people live in the range of 60 to 100 years of age, so clearly our time here on earth is extremely short compared to the time that we will spend in heaven. Question How long will we spend in heaven? Perhaps 10 million years? Maybe 100 million years? No, it's much longer. It's for eternity. It never ends. That's why James said that we are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes, James 4.4. Consider the reality of what Moses said in Psalms 90.12. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Our time here on earth is extremely short, but how we use the resources, including money, time, talents, etc., that God has entrusted to us while we're here on earth, will have a huge impact for eternity. If we are good stewards of everything that God's entrusted to us, including giving to his work, there will be huge rewards in heaven that you and other believers can enjoy forever. To learn more, check out copelandfinancialministries.org.
0: Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming.
2: You know, Gary, I constantly think about why in the marital relationship we tend to be so, and I'm going to use the word, (laughs) stupid. Yeah. And and uh, that's the best way to describe it, unfortunately. I can remember years ago, I was so frustrated. There was just a mound of clothes on the ironing board. And I mean, <laughs> it was like three feet high. <laughs> and I'm thinking, uh, what is going on in here? And I know people are going to go, that's horrible, Jim. Don't do it. Don't do it. I knew. So Saturday rolled around, and I was going to do it. And I huffed, and I puffed, and I pulled that... Uh, ironing board out and that big mound of clothes and I threw the clothes into our chair in the living room and I set up that ironing board And I began to press clothes for like eight hours. I mean, I was like opening a laundromat. This was horrible. And I'm into it like halfway going, this may be one of the stupidest moves I've ever made. But, you know, only through sheer desire to prove I'm right, I hung with it and I got it all done. And to my amazement with my huffing and puffing and my poor attitude, even though I had done all the the pressing, Gene was not that satisfied with me, you know, and I'm thinking, hey, wait a minute, but it was the attitude of the whole thing, and I'm sitting here thinking, why, yeah, why are we so stupid with so much of the conflict in marriage that we're not thinking it through? If I wanted to do that in hindsight, just keep your mouth quiet have a good attitude, yep. go in there, get the uh, ironing board, get the
1: laundry, voluminous as it was, yeah. and start doing it. Or to say beforehand, honey, would it be helpful to you if I ironed the clothes? Yes. You know, so now you, she can either say, oh, it'd be wonderful. Rather she,
2: than making it a point of instruction. <laughs> yeah, right. Which isn't a good way to go. <laughs> right. Did you have something? I mean, did that happen to you where these were
1: points of instruction, the Yeah, well, I was always instructing her on what should be done. I mean, that's what I thought about the toilet. Why why have you waited so long? I mean, the toilet's dirty. Can't you see that, you know? And uh, so I was expecting her to do everything and instructing her that it should be done rather than asking, you know, what can I do? What can I do? I mean, it's the whole thing of questions instead of preaching and when you start asking questions, you change the whole environment. Well, that's because what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. Hmm. And, and then you, you let their answers guide you into how you can do something meaningful for them. And when a person is actually reaching out to you and trying to help you, inside, there's something happens in you, and you want to reach out and help them. Right. It's the whole thing that we love God because God first loved us. We didn't come up with this idea of loving God. He loved us and sent his son And then we respond to his love. And And I I believe that works the same way in marriage. I'd only add that when you do it with a poor attitude, there are no brownie points. (laughs) And
2: I would not do it that way. So that was just uh, a miss. You're listening to Focus on the Family. Today our guest is Gary Chapman. We're talking about the four seasons of marriage Secrets to a lasting marriage. And Gary, you've covered winter. One thing before we move out of winter and get a little defrost and move into spring, you mentioned there are some positive benefits in winter, which, you know, most
1: people right now are thinking, what could be positive? Yeah. Well, what is it? Well, the big positive in being in a winter marriage is it often motivates you to do something about it. When you're cold and harsh and bitter, you realize this is not good. This is not the kind of marriage we want to have. And so often it will motivate you to read a book on marriage or to go to a marriage counselor or to go to a marriage conference or, you know, reach out in some way to do something to make it different. And that's the positive thing about winter. Not much else positive about it, but it can be a motivator. It pushes
2: you into another season, which there's only one way, and that's up in that case. (laughs) That's right. Right? Well, I can relate to that here in Colorado. I love when spring comes because winter just lasts forever here. Uh, Let's move to spring. You touched on it, but uh, tell us again spring
1: and what that's about. Well, spring is an exciting time. You have visions. You have dreams. You have hopes. uh, You anticipate things you're going to do together. And almost everyone starts their marriage in spring. When you're in love, it is a spring season. And so you're anticipating all these wonderful things in spring. Uh, and that's good. Typically people don't necessarily move quickly from winter to spring. It takes a while. Yeah. And one of the one of the things that we just touched on is you have to deal with your failures. There needs to come a point at which you say to the other person, in your own words, you know, honey, I realize I have let you down in a lot of ways, or I have been harsh to you, or whatever. You describe, you try to describe what you sense you've done to them, and and I realize I've just taken the joy out of your life, and I don't have any joy either, and I know that a part of this is my fault, and I just want to tell you I'm sorry, and I Mm -hmm. want to ask, I hope you can forgive me, and I hope we can have a, a new start, and when you... When either one of you takes that approach and you reach out to tear the walls down that have developed between the two of you, you can almost feel the ice melting, you know, and and it begins to get warmer. And then you start doing positive things. And the love language thing, of course, will be a positive thing. Learn how to speak their love language and begin speaking that love language. And now it's getting really much warmer because we've dealt with the past failures. And now we're starting to do things differently than what we've done before.
2: Yeah, Gary, when you talk about the love languages, um, you know, it's been a while since we've touched on those. Uh, give us the five again. And I honestly don't know which one is me. I okay. know that I've taken that test. I've read the book. My kids knew right away what they were, and yeah. they can't even answer what I am. So maybe we can work that out. <laughs> okay.
0: Personal counseling session <laughs> for
1: Jim right Daly here. today with I, I love them all. But, uh, yeah. Well, the five love languages are words of affirmation, using words to affirm the other person. You look nice in that outfit. Appreciate what you did. Gifts, universal to give gifts as an expression of love. The gift says, they were thinking about me. Mm. And then there's acts of service, cleaning the toilet. (laughs)
2: That might be mine, cleaning the the garage. (laughs) It always comes around to the garage.
1: (laughs) Acts of service, doing something you know they would like for you to do. Quality time, giving them your undivided attention, extended conversations, and then physical touch. Mm. And typically out of the five, everybody except Jim has a primary love language.
0: (laughs)
2: I'm the outlier. There we go. I keep telling you, it's physical touch. John Uh. keeps hugging me, and I'm telling him that's not my language. Here's
1: another approach for you, Jim. When you get alone, sit down and say, if I had to give up one of these from my wife, which one would I give up first? Huh, okay. And so you've eliminated one, you're down to four. Yeah. Now, which one would I give up? And part of this is how we ourselves express love, isn't it? Well, we often express love in the way we would like to receive love. Not always, but but many of us are speaking what we want to hear. So I gave my wife, for example, words of affirmation. You know, I told her how nice she looked and so forth uh, because that's my love language. But that wasn't her love language. Her love language was acts of service. I didn't know any of this, you know. So even though I said positive words in her mind, if I really loved her, I would have been doing some of these things. So in her mind, I didn't love her. I was just, Uh, these words were cheap to her. That's how she interpreted it. Yeah, that's how she interpreted it. That's
2: fascinating. Would you say there's a correlation getting back to the seasons, which is what we're concentrating on today? If you're doing the love language well, you can probably stay in spring and summer uh, more likely
1: in your marriage. If you're loving each other and doing it on a regular basis in the right love language, and if you're dealing with your conflicts in a positive way, and solving them rather than trying to argue about them and win the argument, then yeah, you're going to spend more time in spring and summer.
2: Now, you said that for spring that typically identifies the honeymoon period, the infatuation, the blind love. Um, But you said, and I want to dig into it, that a couple can come back to that season of life throughout their marriage. You don't have to see that as only the first couple of years. Absolutely. Now, a lot of People are hearing this going, oh, no way. I just don't believe it. We passed that. Because I'm 15 years in, and I haven't
1: felt springtime in our marriage since year one. Yeah. But springtime is often a time of new beginnings. And you can have a new beginning at any juncture in your marriage. Define a new beginning in that context. Well, when you acknowledge the past failures, and you start looking for the positive things in the relationship rather than the negative things in the relationship. And always there's something positive in your spouse. I've never met a man. There wasn't something good about him. Yeah, he's a good whistler, you know. So. Look, <laughs> that's look, a pretty low right, bar. Be, look, for, look, for, look for something you know, positive. You you would
2: pick something I can't do. <laughs> I'm a pathetic whistler.
0: Thanks a lot. <laughs> See, words, lower words of than affirmation, that. that's what you
2: are. You need,
1: you're
0: a good man even though you can't whistle,
1: Jim. <laughs> there you go. I don't believe but, it. But here are some of the emotions that are in a spring marriage. It's excitement, it's hope, it's warm, it's tender feelings, it's happiness. And the attitudes are anticipation. We're going to do some things differently now. And optimism and gratitude. Gratitude's big in the spring. You you are looking for the positive things. You're expressing gratitude to each other. And the actions you take in the spring are you're planning and you're communicating and you're seeking help when needed. And you're, you know, you're reaching out to make things different. This is a spring marriage is good. And it leads to a summer marriage, which is really even better. Because now we're, we have solved a lot of those things, and we're relaxing in a summer marriage. So spring is good. Gary, let me ask you this. Can it be within the context of a couple? Can one feel like they're in spring and the other feel like they're in winter? I had a man come to me one day and ask that very question. He said, Dr. Chapman, we took that little quiz in the book. And he said, I came out that we were in a spring marriage. And my wife came out we were in a winter marriage. He said, so which is it? <laughs> I said, you're in a winter marriage. <laughs> <laughs> <You're right. laughs> if one of you thinks it's winter, it's winter. Right. And I think the reason for that is that sometimes we're not really in touch with each other. Right. And he was satisfied with the quality of their relationship. He was in know? a bubble. Yeah. But she wasn't satisfied with the quality of their relationship. So we can have different perceptions of our relationship. Wow, that's something. And it would say that she's
2: probably doing a good job speaking his love language, but she's not getting it. Yeah. Yeah, is very, that fair? very likely. Yeah. Um, you talk about summer. Uh, let's move into summer. We all love summer. Yep. Summer is the time you go hiking. I don't yep. know how that relates to your marriage, but,
1: <laughs> but summertime. Talk about that. Well, it's a time of satisfaction, and we feel like we've accomplished some things, and we feel connected to each other in the summertime. Uh, but the flowers have to be watered, and in a summer marriage you realize that. There and are so,
2: thunderstorms, too. There are
1: thunderstorms. Yeah, I call them yellow jackets Yeah, <laughs> that kind of come out of the ground. Yeah. These are unresolved conflicts that once in a while do jump up, even in a summer marriage. Uh, and our actions in a summer marriage is that we're constructive. We're taking steps. We're processing our differences. We've already processed a lot of them. But as I said earlier, these are the people who are attending marriage seminars and reading books on marriage and seeking spiritual growth in their lives. Uh, Because summer is a comfortable time in a relationship. We're not having a whole lot of arguments. We will have some things that jump up once in a while, but summer's very relaxed. So summer is, would that be considered kind of the normal
2: phase of marriage if i could say it It would be the ideal i think summer
1: would be the ideal that's where you're on
2: cruise control but in a healthy way yeah that's good hey we have others and i don't want to ask the question on fall quite yet but um can we stick with it come back talk about the fall and then some other questions that relate to the seasons and uh, give people the practical advice that they'll need to uh, begin to assess where they're at and where they need
0: to go in the seasons of their marriage can we do it i'd love to Such solid wisdom and insight from Dr. Gary Chapman today on Focus on the Family. And we're going to have to push pause right there. We'll have the balance of the conversation for you tomorrow. Gary's message is so good. Every marriage experiences these various
2: seasons, and it's important to know how to navigate those. We talked about what to do if you feel you are in a winter season in your marriage, and if that is where you and your spouse are
0: living, Focus on the Family is here for you. Yeah, we have a great team of caring Christian counselors who can listen to your specific situation, they can pray with you, and help you get on the right path.
2: We also have our Hope Restored program, which is doing great work for relationships that are really in trouble. This is a four-day marriage intensive that offers hope and healing for you and your spouse. And people who have attended say it's life-changing. In our post-two-year follow-up, 80% of those couples are still together and doing better than ever. If you're in a place of brokenness in your marriage, get in touch with us. The Lord does amazing things in those intensives. And we also have Dr. Gary Chapman's terrific book on the marriage seasons that we've talked about today. It's titled The Four Seasons of Marriage, Secrets to a Lasting Marriage. And you can get that directly from Focus Canada.
0: We'd love to put that in your hands as a resource. And you can learn more about that book, The Four Seasons of Marriage, about our Hope Restored Marriage Intensives, and you can also donate when you give us a call. Our number is 800-the letter A and the word family. Uh, that's 800-232-6459. Or online, we're at focusonthefamily.ca. Join us again tomorrow for more of this conversation with Dr. Gary Chapman. And on behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, I'm John Fuller. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family.